Get Up Nation. My name is Ben Biddick. I am the creator and host of the Get Up Nation podcast, where I serve individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience and perseverance. I'm the co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance with former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Rurong Living, Adam Greenberg. The Get Up Nation podcast is brought to you in partnership with GotYour6Coffee.com, where Navy veteran Eric Hadley is committed to serving first responders, veterans, and their families through a variety of nonprofit organizations. No stranger to adversity, Eric has fused necessity of coffee with his passion for public service. You're already purchasing coffee. Why not empower your coffee with purpose? Why not purchase coffee that not only has your six, but also has the backs of those who don a uniform of service for our communities and great country? Learn more about Eric and his freshly roasted award-winning coffee at gotyoursixcoffee.com. Welcome to this episode of the Get Up Nation podcast. Brenda Shaughnessy joining me here on the Get Up Nation show. Welcome. I can't wait for you to share your amazing life and your insights into the realities of this world, which can be cruel and painful. And I'm just honored to have you here and just kind of open up the floor and want to please share a little bit of what you've experienced in life and, and where you're at today. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here and I hope that what I share helps someone, even if it's only one person. Sure. Yeah. So gosh, I don't even know where to begin what I've been through. I guess I can start with, I grew up in the coast mountain range of BC, British Columbia and Canada. It's very remote. And from a young age, I learned independence and how to just go do things, right? Because we, it was a three-hour drive to go get groceries. Mm-hmm. We had to be fairly independent out there. They, they didn't really have a choice being that far away from anything. You just learn the value of hard work and, and why you should be working hard because sometimes your survival depends on it, right? And then that, that instilled in me a lot of values that just carried forward through life. And I guess was the foundation of, being able to get to where I am today. Yeah. So challenges, oh gosh, there's been so many. Six years ago, a little bit more than six years ago, I had made the decision to come back to competing in endurance racing on horseback. I had done that for about 15 years and then switched over to running those distances and missed my horse. I missed that, that relationship, that friendship, that time on the trail with him. So I started to come back to that. And in like, I hadn't even been doing conditioning rides with him for a month and was out one day on a trail ride. It was December 28th, 2014. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon. Like I'll never forget it. And he had a mental meltdown. He's been mine since he was born. Like I've done all of his training. I'm like his only rider ever. And he bucked for the first time ever caught me off guard and you're watching rodeos. Anyone who's watching rodeos, it's a fairly big sport. You'll see bull riding. The riders wear, now they wear, many of them, hockey helmets with a full face cage to protect their face because so many have been hit in the face by the back of the bull's head or they've been kicked or stepped on or whatever. And so what happened to me is I got hit right in the forehead with the back of his head. Mm. And it broke my helmet. And in that moment, it was so disorienting. This, this crack to the head, it's, it's so loud. You don't even understand what just happened. Mm. And I remember time slowing down to be like, 
it lasted forever. And I remember the feel of his mane against my face and the smell of that and how much I love that and how, you know, I just love being with him and spending that trail time. And then all of a sudden I realized my eardrums feel like they just exploded and time sped up even faster than I could possibly imagine. And it's like it fast forwarded and all of a sudden I was getting tossed around in the saddle. And the next thing I know, I'm just starting to fly through the air and I was unconscious before I hit the ground. And then I was alone. So I was by myself in out the winter. I was, I, How far away pardon? from anyone else were you when you, I don't even remember at this point. I don't, I don't remember. I, I woke up in the snow lying on my back, staring at the sky. So I mean, somehow I ended up on my back. I don't know. And I had to walk out to someone's house and then they drove me back to the barn. I think it was about two miles back to the barn from there. And then later that night I had to drive myself to the hospital because I started to get this really bad headache and they said, yeah, you have a concussion. So you need to go home and then see your family doctor. And I mean, I started to work again a few days later. I was like, oh, I'll be fine. Like, I'll just go back to work. It'll be fine. And that was not fine. Not even a little bit. I had to leave early. I lasted half a day. I couldn't, I couldn't look at a screen. The headache was debilitating. And I came back the next day and I lasted 45 minutes. Mm. And I called my doctor and got in to see him right away. And he said, yeah, you have a severe concussion Mm. and you're going to take a month off work. And I kind of like panicked a little bit because you can't, you can't just take a month off work. You can't just do that. You know, I've got responsibilities and all kinds of things and people counting on me. And he's like, Oh no, that's your problem anymore. You need to go home. And I think his information was a little bit out of date. And I know it is, it is out of date because he told me to do nothing. And so it was January at that point in January in the Edmonton area, which is where I live, we get six hours of daylight. That's 18 hours of darkness doing nothing, living on an acreage by myself out of town, completely isolated. Couldn't even talk on the phone. Couldn't listen to an audio book. Couldn't watch TV. Before this accident, I was doing triple days for exercise. Weights first thing in the morning and either running or yoga on my lunch break and then either running or horse, riding my horse in the evening. And I went from that, from triple days to nothing. And the anxiety was overwhelming. Yeah, And then a month after I got hurt, my husband, the four months, left me for another woman. Mm. And so that was the thing that got added into everything. And it just, it became too much, right? The, the pain was overwhelming. The, yeah. the narcotics that my doctor had given me didn't work. They didn't even touch the pain. And then all the emotional pain and just being isolated. And I... I spiraled down into this incredibly deep depression, stopped eating, hardly drinking anything. And then I just, I couldn't deal with it anymore. And I decided, well, this is it. I can't continue. I can't go on. And that was probably the lowest point of my entire life is that moment when I was like, okay, well, this is it. This is the end of my life right here. Did you attempt to take your life at that time? I went through the process of deciding how I was going to do it. I walked through the house and looked at all the options, Mm -hmm. hang, hang myself in the garage, took all the guns out of the cabinet, but they're, they're all rifles and rifles 
just really do more damage, really statistically. Looked at all the knives, had a cabinet full of alcohol, had a cabinet full of medications. And you just, I, I mean, I turned into this like robot. Right. It was like there was nothing. There was nothing inside of me. Right. And I went to bed that night. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I went to bed that night and I tried, like I slowed my breathing down to try to just stop breathing. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, your brain, your brain won't let you do that. You got some, you have some fail safes in there. You can't just stop breathing. And I woke up the next morning and, and I looked at my dogs and I couldn't leave them. Yeah. Couldn't leave them. And I also couldn't write my, I couldn't write my family that letter. And so I, I reached out to my best friend and well, my two best friends and they, they rescued me from that. Yeah. And it's, it's this like black cloud that just stays with you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you don't really ever leave that behind that, that just goes with you forever. Mm-hmm. And you kind of learn to learn to live with this part of your past that is so incredibly dark. It's it, like, you don't even want to look at it. Mm-hmm. And then the recovery from the concussion, <laughs> That was hard. I got hit in the head so hard and my head got whipped back so fast and forcefully that all the muscles down the front side of my neck, all the way down into my pecs were torn. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was incredibly painful and the headaches were completely debilitating. Whatever I did, anything didn't matter what I did. It would put me on the couch in agony. How long were you in that state? Oh God. Months. Yeah. Months and months and months of living, not even living, existing, yeah. just existing like that. Meditation was the only thing that could control my pain. And I had to, I had to teach myself how to do that. The only word that I ever focused on was healing. Yeah. And what that means to me and, and what that looks like and why it matters. Yeah. And then I had to start brain physio. Did you have any resources for the meditation that was it guided? Was it people who helped you with that or was it all self-initiated? I just did it myself. I had one magazine. It was a, a yoga magazine that had this article in it about meditation. That was the only thing that I had. And then I had the experience of when I was a child, my dad teaching me meditation without me even realizing it mm. as a relaxation technique before going to sleep so that I could go to sleep. Cause when I was a kid, I was like, hyperactive running around all the time and it's hard to turn my brain off so he's like okay we'll try this technique to relax yourself and then i learned years and years later that that was meditation Mm, so i came back to that and then that that article and then because i I mean i couldn't use a computer Mm. so i couldn't i couldn't look for youtube videos and i couldn't listen to anything wow wow guided guided meditation wasn't an option i see i see i mean i spent 30 minutes doing it and initially, I mean, it was really hard to get to 30 minutes. Yeah. After like three, I'd open my eyes and I'm like, how long has it been? Oh, God, it's only been three minutes. Why does time go so slow? <laughs> but then once I, once I got practiced at it, 30 minutes went by really fast. And I was like, oh, that's it? Wow, it's been 30 minutes already. Yeah. But my pain, you know, I, I would meditate when I really needed it my pain would be an eight out of 10, like just agony. 
you can't, you, you can't even think, you can't do anything. Yeah. You just lay there and just feel like, like you can't do this. So I would meditate mm. and my pain would, in the end of the 30 minutes would be like a two or a three out of 10. Wow. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The power of the mind. Yeah. So through, I mean, through all this, I had to do months of brain physio because mm. the concussion had caused a loss of my short-term memory. Wow. So in the evening, I had no recollection of what I had done in the morning. Like right now, so it's, it's quarter after one in the afternoon where I am. If I think back to what I had for breakfast, I can see it in my mind. I can see what I ate. During that recovery period, I would think back and the only thing I would see was black. Mm. Wow. Just staring at nothing. It was really weird. Mm. So I had, to, I had to regain my memory. And then I had also lost my peripheral vision I literally had tunnel vision. Wow. And so I had to teach my brain how to see again. And then I lost coordination of my hands. I couldn't make things work. Hmm. So I had to teach my hands how to work again. Wow. From the ears, did you have balance issues then after the, did the injury cause damage to the inner ear and the bones there that manage our balance? Did you have issues with that? I have had some dizziness issues. I haven't experienced as much as other people have. It, everyone's post-concussion or concussion syndromes are a little bit different. They're unique to each person. And they also differ between men and women. Mm. Women are more likely to experience more severe concussion and post-concussion syndromes than men. Mm. And I don't understand why, but that's what the research is showing. See. What I do have a lasting impact is that I see everything slightly to the left. Mm. Like the whole world. Yeah. I don't see it where it is, which means I fumble things all the time. Yeah. Sometimes I don't even get the fork in my mouth. It hits me in the teeth. Yeah. Like it, it, affects, it affects my whole life. Yeah. The, the balance issue, the connection between ears and eyes and brain has been damaged so that when I run, because I compete in ultra marathons, if I run far enough or long enough, I'll eventually get vertigo. Wow. And then that leads to vomiting and that won't stop until I stop. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It gets pretty bad. Yeah. To make it clear to the audience, ultra marathons, we're, we're talking about hundreds of miles, aren't we? Is that, I mean, that's the length that you run. Anything longer than a marathon is considered an ultra marathon. They typically start at 50 kilometers. Okay. The usual distances would be 50 K 50 miles, 100K, 100 miles. And then you get into the multi-days where it's 200 miles more. The farthest I've run is 100 miles. And that was was since the concussion. I rebuilt myself to finish 100 miles. And that race is probably the hardest 100-miler you ever do in in Canada. It's actually quite sadistic. (laughs) The course... The course director is evil and that's a well-established fact. And he owns that. He's cool with that. <laughs> he try, he, every year he's like, I'm going to make this harder. <laughs> We're like, Why are you so mean? <laughs> Why are you going to be like that? <laughs> but I, I finished it. I mean, I finished it and this is the hardest race I've ever done. 
I mean, a hundred miles. Yeah, that's really far, but the conditions were horrendous. It poured rain for 24 hours and our, our soil in this part of the world has a really high clay content. Mm. So when it gets saturated, it doesn't, it doesn't infiltrate anymore. And it turns into this greasy layer on top of just like dry soil. So it's like, you're running around through grease. And I had a pacer with me at one point he's behind me and he just starts laughing i'm like i don't know what are you laughing at why are you making fun of me he's like well you look like bambi running down the trail <laughs> like at least i'm standing upright ish <laughs> not falling down yeah now wasn't there some stretches where you did you where there was a in that run that you did fall multiple times and had to get oh gosh fell off the trail yeah so we have our river valley through Edmonton, the North Saskatchewan River Valley is, is absolutely spectacular. We have over 100 miles of trails just within city limits, wow. which is really cool. So this whole race, the entire 100 miles was within city limits. Wow. Okay. And yeah, it's, it's just, we are so huh. lucky. Don't wow. tell anybody. Everyone stay away. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> I'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah. Just keep it special. Keep it small. <laughs> So the river valley, I mean, it's, it's got cliffs on it, in it, sand cliffs, dirt cliffs. And that's where a lot of the trail is, is along these cliffs. We've just like, it starts out as a deer trail or a coyote trail or something. And then people start following it and then it becomes a trail and it's sort of semi kind of interpreted loosely as a trail. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had to, we had to run on that and this, there's one section on these cliff trails where I literally in the span of, I don't even know what it was, 50 meters fell off the trail multiple times and literally down the bank and had to crawl to get back up because it was like, it was mud. It was grease. Wow. And even some of the, even some of the trail, I mean, it, it was a defined trail, but to get up, I was crawling, digging my fingernails into the dirt. And then to get down some of them, you'd, you'd hang onto the bushes and rappel down backwards with the bushes. So it's like a full body experience <laughs> to go do that. Amazing. Like <laughs> it was really fucking hard. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. I just did. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. That is, that's amazing. Man, tell me about that hunger, that desire to do that. that. What is it that you experience where you crave that, want that? are drawn to that what is that within you do you know or is it just there the desire to do that is the desire to continually become better mm. become more than who you are now mm. become a better version of yourself a stronger version of yourself and it's not always physically stronger mm -hmm. right to do that there were 16 of us that started mm. and five of us that finished Wow. So for women, I was first place and I still hold the course record for that. No kidding. It took me 30 hours. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and actually in that section where I fell all the time, I, the first fall I had there, I went over backwards really hard and stayed on the trail, thankfully, but I reconcussed myself oh. and didn't know it. I wasn't even, it says two loops, two 50 mile loops. And I was maybe two thirds or three quarters of the way through the first loop, the entire second loop I spent puking. Wow. Wow. Unreal. And not, not realizing that I had been reconcussed. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I just kept going. So the, the, the physical strength was there. That's fine. Mm -hmm. 
it was the mental strength that mattered. And that's, mm. that's the becoming more, mm. becoming a better version of yourself. Mm. And that's then sometimes I have this, it's like this magic zone somewhere around 60K, 60K to maybe 80K. You just get an I get into this perfect flow mm. where everything is just, it's just perfect. It's magic. Mm. And you get this runner's high and it's addictive. Mm. It's awesome. Addictive. You want that again. Wow. And I mean, also it's a goal. It's something to strive for. It's something to work towards and it's really hard. And one of the mantras that I live my life by is nothing worth achieving comes easy. Mm. And if it was easy, everyone would do it. And then I wouldn't, I wouldn't get as much value out of it. Mm. I choose the things that are really hard for me to do. And there's been more that you've been through in addition to this. <laughs> uh, yes. Maybe you'd like to forget after, this. Other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> after that concussion, I mean, it took me, I think it, it took me nine months. I was off work for nine months from that concussion. And I mean, I didn't just go right back to running. I had to start by walking and teach my brain how to tolerate 20 minutes of walking. Wow. And, and I, I would end up like, I'd go to the dog park, I'd drive there, walk for 20 minutes with my dogs and drive home. And I'd spend the next day and a half on the couch in absolute extreme pain. Mm -hmm. I just can't think, can't function, nothing. Oh. But I knew that the only way to get to where I wanted to be was to go through that. So then I'd go back and do it again. And again, and again, and again, every two days. And then doing the brain physio on top of that, which was also very painful. And so I just had to, I just had to keep going. And when I, when I went back to work, it started with two hours a day and it took six months to get back to full time. By the time I was full time, I realized that what I was, well, I mean, I already knew that what I had been doing for my career hadn't fulfilled me. My life is, it's evident life is fragile and it's ephemeral and it's, it's not something to be taken for granted because you don't know when something is going to happen. I mean, I, I, I sat with death. I didn't brush elbows with death. I sat with death, sat there and had a conversation and to like, I'm, I almost wasn't here. Mm. Why would I waste my time doing something? I'm not happy doing. Yeah. Right. After that. Yeah. So I quit. Yeah. I quit. Like, I'm not, I'm not happy here. I'm not happy doing this. I haven't been for a long time. I'm not going to do this anymore. And I went back to school to change my career and, and pursue my passion. And that was, I mean, that was hard. That was really hard to go from working full-time to going back to school and being a student and living on a student budget again. That's really tough to do. And trying to put, because I also had no savings because the concussion required me to use every penny I had yeah. for all the treatments and then every penny I didn't have, plus pay for a divorce at the same time. And I ended up with less than a dollar in my bank account. That, what? Yeah. <laughs> what do you even do? Yeah. You figure it out. Mm. Yeah. You just, you figure it out. And yeah. when I went back to school, I had been back in the black financially for two weeks. Mm. I hadn't, I had nothing, I had no savings. And so I had to go back into debt mm. to be able to pay for that. Sure. Worked part-time, hustled really, really hard, really hard. And 
applied myself a hundred percent to everything that I was doing, had, you know, 4.0 GPA and was going to start my own business. And one month before I graduated and one month before I was going to like launch my business, I was rear-ended on my way to my practicum. So I was still like, we had to do in that program, it's the personal trainer program at a technical college here in Nate Mm -hmm. and it's two years to do it. So this, it's a very extensive education for for the job. And I was on my way to my practicum because we have to do that. And I was about two minutes away. And this guy who was texting accelerated into me as I was going through a green light. Like he ran, ran into me and caused a very large amount of damage to me. It's, I'm still, that was three years ago. I'm still dealing with that. Jeez. So my graduation was delayed by a month because being I was reconcussed again. So it was delayed because cognitive, cognitively I couldn't do it. But I did graduate and I launched my business anyways because that was what I was going to do. And now I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm not going to let this stop me. I'll figure it out. I'll make it work. And then began the process all over again of fixing myself, except this time it was more extensive the number of things that had to be repaired and that will never be repaired was a lot bigger last time like with the concussion with the first concussion it was my brain a little bit of my body like muscle wise mostly my brain and then with the car accident like my cartilage in my wrist was destroyed and my cartilage in my shoulder was torn and i ended up with tmj and my jaw seized closed yes yeah i can hardly even talk Mm. I had just had to exist again like that mm. hurt my back hurt my hip and reconcussed neck mm. problems now I've nerve I have nerve problems now in my neck mm. I have a what's called a nerve conduction study coming up here in a few weeks to figure out like what is actually wrong because mm. the pain will start in my neck and it'll end up in my fingers mm. so for three years now I've been fixing that I had surgery on my arm because the cartilage was ruined any time that i would bend my wrist and like load my hand so like for example a push-up mm-hmm. the pain the really sharp bad pain bad pain in my wrist which would stop me from doing anything that required that which negatively affected my career right and then i couldn't do all these things that i need to do in my job so I opted for surgery and I had my, one of my bones cut in half and shortened. So now I have a plate and eight screws in there. That was a little over a year ago. So then there's recovery from that. It's just, it's just one thing after another. It's constant, ongoing. Ongoing, really big, life-changing. Like your life changes literally in a second. Mm-hmm. Events changes permanently forever. What are the things that mean the most to you now after, as a result of experiencing all this? Oh, man. The most important thing is mindset. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's the only reason I'm able to be here now. Mindset. After all this, it's like, it, I mean, after the car accident, that, I mean, that was like getting checked by a linebacker. Yeah. Like emotionally, yeah. mentally, mm-hmm. that just leveled me. Like I'm a month from graduation. I've got my life is it's 
going the way I want it to go. This other concussion is in the past. I've recovered from that. It was a really tough experience, but I, I used all of that to get me to where I am. Everything's on track. Boom. No, it's not. And if you don't have a strong mindset, you're just going to spiral back into depression mm-hmm. and then accept that your life is shit. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I had to really create this, create this bomb proof mindset. Not that it's always bomb proof. Cause there's always times where you fall down and you have to get back up. Sure. Thinking back to everything you've experienced, what are the things that you're ultra grateful for? So, you know, with all the limitations, the injuries, the pain, what things are magical for you now that, that maybe your average person takes for granted or doesn't value uh, significantly? Just being able to run. After that concussion with, the, with my horse, I created, I started doing this moment on every single run. I call it my appreciation moment. I will physically stop completely. I'll stop moving and I'll just look around me and just enjoy where I am and appreciate the fact that I get to be there. I can be there. I have the ability to be there. I have the ability to get myself to that spot and then to get myself away from that spot back to wherever I need to go. And I've, I have <laughs> made this mandatory. If I'm running with friends, they're going to stop also, and they're going to appreciate the fact that they're there. They can do this. And now they do that on their own with other friends. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Just don't like, don't take it for granted. Yeah. And I mean, that's, yeah, all this, all this stuff has been really shitty. It's like the pain. Oh my God, the pain. Mm -hmm. So much pain, just constant every single day. I'd say every single day in the last six years, I've been in pain Mm -hmm. every day. Looking from the outside in, you think, wow, that really fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And then then there's other little injuries where this spring I freaking wrecked my ankle again, multiples on that one and then get running again in the fall, wreck it again immediately. <laughs> like, so there's all these other little things that come in. Everyone's like, Oh my God, this is so like, you just can't catch a break. And I'm like, well, you know, if you switch your mindset from that shitty to what, what value does this have? It's not shitty anymore. Mm. Another one of my mantras is to ask myself, is this an obstacle or is this an opportunity? Wow. Cause I have the choice. Wow. That's mindset. Yeah. Your thoughts become you, right? Like yeah. honestly, whatever you think you become, yeah. whatever you choose to see is what your reality becomes. Mm-hmm. If you choose to see all this negative shit that's going on in the world right now, the world is horrendous. It's a terrible place to be. How do we get out of here? Yeah. Or you can choose to see all these incredible things that are happening all around you. There's, it's, there's, there's no end to them. Dropping off care packages for friends who are isolating, self-isolating, like just everyday little things. And if you focus on that, then your whole reality changes. What gift do you love to give to people as a result of everything you've been through? 
those moments that your friends stop now by your amazing example to treasure their life and their moment, the present moment in their life. What gifts are you giving others that you would not have been able to give if it wasn't for all you've been through? Oh gosh. Gratitude is a very, very powerful tool. Gratitude may be one of the most powerful tools that you can put in your toolbox. There is always something to be grateful for. And that changes your perspective. Gratitude and then just walking the talk and showing people that it can be done. There is another side. There is, there is another side. You may not see the other side, but there is one. And so I, my experiences and me walking the talk and actually working through all of this freaking shit storm, mm-hmm. you know, you're in the center of it. You can't see your way out of it, but you just take one step at a time. Right. And eventually you come to the other side and that has shown other people that they, that, you know, if I can do hard things, they can. And a friend of mine, this one of one of the friends who now makes other people stop for the appreciation moment, she's, I mean, she's watched me battle through these ultra marathons puking for 50 miles. And she's like, this is incredible. Like, I I don't know how you do that. She ran her first hundred miler this past summer. She was puking and she's like, Well, if Brenda can do it, I can do it. Wow. And she finished. Nice. She got her first hundred miler done. Nice. I just got, I just got covered in goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. So the, I mean, all of this, it's a gift. Really it is. Things don't happen to you. They happen for you. And just in, I'd say in the last couple months, you know, I, I look back decades in my life and I'm like, I see now why this thing had to happen so that could happen so that could happen that and uh, and not so that I could be here today. I see why I had to grow up in that place three hours from grocery stores and cell service and anything, right? It's very remote. Right. Power goes out and you're, I hope you have a generator because it could be a day more. Yeah. Sometimes it'll take the snow plows two days to get to you. Mm. It's very remote. I mean, I see now why I had to, I had to grow up there. I wouldn't change that for the world. That was the most, that was the most incredible childhood I could ever have. Wow. And there's been all kinds of other things between then and six years ago that have happened. Yeah. Really hard stuff. Medevaced by two separate helicopters after a horse accident where I thought I broke my back. Yes. I was 20. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I came off at a full gallop and got run over like run over and I tried to stand and I collapsed and I thought, well, shit, I just broke my back. The first lady, the first person, Joyce, to, to come up on me thought I was dead. I I mean, I wasn't, I was still alive. I just was very adamant that I'm not going to move and do any further damage. Mm -hmm. And I got put on a spine board and a hard collar and flown out. And I spent 10 hours on that spine board. I had, I had to do that. I had to learn how to endure that. Yeah. I had to. Yeah. I had to learn how to mentally endure that and physically, because that hurts. Laying on a board for 10 hours, that really hurts. Yeah. 
I know. Hmm. I can. I, mean, I can't even make it up. I can't make this stuff yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about what you do today, your business, how you help people. Tell me more about that. Everything I've been through allows me to help people who really need it. Hmm. Okay, so I'm. I'm a personal trainer and an ultra marathon coach. Well, you, you might initially looking at those two different sites, like general populations, you might call them a people. They're not actually that different. Hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe the ultra marathoners are elite because they're running really far. And the people who are just coming for fitness maybe aren't, but in that fitness group of people, I have niched into rehab, mm-hmm. helping people overcome the really hard stuff. So maybe, maybe they're not elite athletes, but they still have to do something as hard as fuck. Yeah. Right. Right. And the mindset is the same. Mm-hmm. Whether you choose the challenge or not, I help people work through those challenges, mm-hmm. overcome them. Because mm-hmm. I know what it takes to do that. And I have the strategies to do it. Sure. And the training now, knowledge, education. Where can people learn more about that service? And if they want to reach out to you, how should they do that? Take a look at my webpage if they'd like, summittraining.ca. I'm also on Facebook for anyone who's on Facebook. You just look up my name, Brenda Shaughnessy. But these, the rehab, that's what I love the most. Because I, I'm, in a, I'm in a very unique position to be able to help someone who has a chronic injury and right. has been in pain for a very long time right. because I have, I have the theoretical training from two years of education. Right. I have the, the experience, like the technical skills and I understand, right. I understand what this pain does to you mm-hmm. and how every, every part of your life is affected by it. Yeah. Every single part. Yeah. Like if you're, if your body's not working, nothing else in your life is working. Well, yeah. you, you can't, if you, if you can't, if you can't be healthy and happy here, you can't give your attention to anything else. And if you do, you're digging a debt within yourself mm. and you're going farther and farther and farther into the hole mm. and being more and more and more miserable and seeing less and less and less of a way out. I see. And I understand that mm. truly in my heart. I understand that. Yeah. I can relate very well to someone who's had chronic pain in case of one of my clients for 20 years. Mm. Another one of my clients, 14 years. Yes. She came to me after 14 years of being in pain. And I'm like, why did you wait? Mm. Why did you wait? Like, why? I don't understand why people wait. Mm. Yeah. And it, I mean, it has to happen. It has to happen in your own time. Mm-hmm. You have to be ready to do it. But the longer you wait, the harder it is to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And how amazing is that for you to be able to see into their lives? It's got to be hard to even explain to your average person or your average provider, your average medical provider or therapist or rehab you know, specialist. So, so you walk in the door understanding what they're going through. You, it doesn't take you very long to identify at a soul deep, deep within their bones, within your bones, awareness that you can determine where they are miles ahead of anybody else who hasn't experienced what you 
have. Is that accurate? I mean, that's I could speculate. Yeah, that is very accurate. Yeah. I I have I'm also highly empathetic. So I feel what other people are feeling. Someone walks in I and I can just look at them and know. You can just watch their movement and I know. It's a good day, it's a bad day. I know immediately. Sure. And with these with the rehab clients who are in chronic pain, I mean I can just see that in their movement. Yeah. I can see the pain in their movement. And I, and I, I mean, knowing what I know about the body and how it moves and why and what happens with this pain, the pain, pain changes your body, mm-hmm. changes it, physically changes it in ways that you don't even realize are happening because it's subconscious. Mm-hmm. And I, I, can, I know how that affects your life just in everyday activities, yeah. being unable to reach out and hold a coffee cup. Right. That's unacceptable. Like that's a hundred percent unacceptable. I don't accept that. I don't accept that for me or anyone else. It's not okay. Not being able to pick up your grandchild. Also unacceptable. Right. Wow. I want to change that. Wow. I want to change that for everyone. There's not enough hours in the day to help every person, but I want to help as many people as I can because I, I know what your quality of life is like, which is fucking shit. Yeah, it's right. shit. Right. It's like it's it's garbage. It sucks. It's not a life. Right. I know what that is, yep. and I know what the other side is, yeah. and I know how to get you there. Nice. I changed the body. I, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I can physically change your body, mm-hmm. and I can change your mind. Love it. People, y'all need it's to the follow. physical training and the mental training, right? They, they're handing, you can't separate the, the brain and the body. You can't separate them. They're one and the same. That's right. People need to get a hold of, of your social handles, your website. People need to get, people need to hire you. We need to stop people from being in pain. They do. Yes. Oh my God. You need me. Yeah. I'm here. I'm not hiding. Yeah. So many people who've helped me, I'm like, where have you been? God damn it. I've been looking for you. Yeah. Where have you been? I'm, yeah. I'm here. Nice. I'm here and I want to help you because I, d- I don't want you to exist. I want you to thrive. Yeah. Love it. I truly do. This is, this is my purpose in life. This is why I'm here. Awesome. That's why I was born. Awesome. I think now is a good time for us to enter yeah. the last section of our show here where I ask you a series of questions here, unless there's anything further, did you have a message for Get Up Nation people watching who may be suffering right now, a direct message of encouragement? Yeah, I would say it's one step at a time. There's no shortcuts and you have to take ownership of your journey because no one's going to fix it for you. Nice. You are the only one. Excellent. All right. I always end the show with six questions to help my listeners understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Are you willing to run through these six quick questions with me? Yes, I am. All right. Who are you thankful for today? Oh, gosh. My friends and family. They were the net that caught me before I jumped into that abyss. And now that we've covered who you're thankful for today, what are you thankful for today? Oh, man everything that I have in my life. I'm thankful that I'm here. 
I'm thankful that I have a roof over my head and food in my fridge. And I have two incredible dogs. And I'm thankful that I have amazing people in my life. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm so fortunate, so blessed. How do you fuel the fire within you? I always want what's on the other side more than I don't want the shit that I have to go through to get there. Nice. And I tell myself over and over and over again, I want that what's on the other side. I want what's on the other side of this car accident freaking shit. Yeah. I want it so bad. And the more I tell myself that, the more I believe it and that the less dip, less hard it is to get there. Mm. It's still hard to get there. Mm. You, you say, you tell yourself something enough times you will believe it. Yeah. That's also mindset. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. What's one thing adversity taught you to value? Taught me to value perspective and that you always have a choice in how you respond. You, so you have in the seven habits of highly effective people, Stephen Covey talks about this, your response ability, your, your ability to respond, response ability. That, that like, that's, that's life-changing. You can choose that. Nice. What are you doing today? You may have never thought you could. Pursuing my passion as my career. My, I watched my dad be self-employed for my, almost my entire life and thinking, gosh, I don't even know how I'd ever do that. Mm. And it, it took that concussion to make it happen. Mm. And I never thought that I would be self-employed pursuing my passion, building my dream. Just oh, yeah. another one of the gifts. There's so many gifts from this. Mm. And what will you do tomorrow that you may have never thought you could? Tomorrow I will connect with more people who need me. I will reach out to them and say, Hey, if, if you, you know, I have this community on Facebook, it's called the ripple effect. And these are, it's a group on Facebook. These are the things we talk about injury mindset strategies to overcome this finding accountability partners within the group to help you do this. Nice. Inspiration. You know, it, you're in this chronic pain group. Many times, that's an echo chamber. I give you a sounding board. Amazing. And inc incredible stories. The people that are in there, oh my God, just blowing my mind with their stories. It's just, ugh. they inspire me every day. Awesome. How can people learn more about you and your amazing work? I'm on Instagram, summittraining.ca. I'm on Facebook. My personal page is the best place to find me. You can find me on my webpage, also summittraining.ca. You can send me a message anytime. Yeah. I, have, I, want, I want to talk. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, you have a lot to offer. And if you're somebody watching or listening to this and you hear her calling to something deep within you, answer that call. Yeah, how much longer are you willing to wait? Yeah, it's time. <laughs> it is time. It's past time. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Brenda, thank you for sharing your amazing journey with us and helping us understand how we can better get up when life knocks us down. I'm just honored to have you here, honored to know you, 
and honored to share your work and your experience with the world. Thank you for having me. It's been really great chatting.